Good morning. <clears throat> Our scripture reading for today is uh, from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. Well, we welcome you again on the second Sunday of Advent. <clears throat> We might be mindful of God and what He's doing in our lives, <clears throat> what He's doing in your life. A God who comes near to us, so the theme that we're following through Advent is indeed this nearness. Remember last week we looked at a text in Philippians, these small texts that Paul uses that we often don't necessarily connect to Advent, but that's what they're about. And it said, uh, the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And the reason, the Lord is near. So the, no the Lord is near is a, is a theme of Advent. It's God coming to us. He is near to us. And so we have the nearness of our Savior today looking at Galatians 4. And, the, and, the, and that's, that's really the reminder that right with us right now, God is with us, Jesus is with us. Jesus said where two or three are gathered, he is there in our midst, so he is with us. And the challenge is, of course, in the midst of all our busyness and distraction, that we might be aware of Jesus with us. And so I began with a quote from, I think it was Merton last week, here we go, one from now on. <clears throat> A group of us here from the church had a chance to work with Henry Nouwen on a few occasions. And I'm an amazing writer. <clears throat> Call him the prophet of daybreak, where he lived. The God with us is a close God, a God whom we call our refuge, our stronghold, our wisdom, and even more intimately, our helper, our shepherd, our love. He says, we will really never know God as a compassionate God if we do not understand with our heart and mind that he lived among us. So God is a close God who came to live amongst us. So can we believe that God showed up in Jesus? God shows up in Jesus. God comes to us in Jesus. He enters the human story, the human condition so that he might draw us to himself. I mean, that's, that's the amazing gift, Paul writes in another place, the indescribable gift that God comes to us in Jesus. And so in this Advent season, the second week of Advent, moving towards Christmas, that's what we are reminded to experience and to know God as a near God. So here's the text again. But when the fullness of time had come, Note, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
we began the service with Abba Father. So Galatians is the first book that the Apostle Paul wrote. We know that for sure. He wrote that, probably wrote it in the early 60s, 60 AD. So this was on his mind very early in the Christian tradition, that God came to us in his Son. He came to us in the spirit of his Son. God is the prime actor we're talking about here. This whole text is based on God. God's reaching out to you. God reaching out to me. It's about him. It's about God and his work in our lives. It's, it's, it's not primarily about you and me. Paul is speaking a text to us. Galatians 4, he's been building his argument. And now he comes to this key text. That God is working in your life and my life to reveal himself to us. So he is the prime figure in this story. So when we read those words, you know, they, they, they sound kind of different. They sound theological. They can sound a long way away from your experience and my experience right here in Weston, 2023. But it is about God coming to you, God coming to me. Can we hear that? And he begins by saying that God determines the time of our salvation. He determines the time when he breaks into our world. He does it. We don't arrange anything. We don't navigate anything. We don't manipulate anything. God comes. When he's ready, he comes. When the fullness of time had come. That's what Paul writes. And it's interesting there because there's, there's really both senses of the Greek word time. There's the word chronos, which is clock time, which is actually the word that's used here. When the fullness of time had come is chronos. In all the time, in all the days, in all the years that had gone in the human history up to this point, in all the minutes, in all the seconds, all the hours, there comes a moment in chronos time where God comes. He breaks into the human story, we'll read more, through Mary, to come into our world, our universe. So that is the sense of chronos time, all those times, all those hours. You come here to church this morning, you're here now, 1127, and you're going to go home around noon, you're going to go for lunch, or maybe you're going to go to work, I don't know, you're going to have friends over. All of that happens in Kronos time. And God came to us in Kronos time, but also he comes in the fullness of time. Greek word there, play Roma, the fullness of time. And fullness of time suggests kairos. Years ago, we, uh, you know, a number of us here did a, a record, and we called the record Kairos. We were Kairos. During COVID, we've played a number of those tunes on some of our recorded services. Kairos. Kairos is the Greek word for the appointed time, the time of opportunity. We just have one word for time. In English, Greek had both, too. Chronos time, clock time, and appointed time, time of opportunity. 
God ready to do something new in our world. And what is his new thing? His new thing is he's now going to break into our universe, into our history. Break into the human condition, your condition, my condition. God breaking in. So it's a suggestion here, one, that God is the prime figure. He determines when he comes. He does come. But it also reminds us that our times are in God's hands. Your chronos time and your kairos time. The years go on. Maybe it's your birthday somewhere in the next little while. Chronos time. You hit that year. But it's also the time of opportunity. What days of opportunity? What new possibilities will open up in your life in this coming year, 2024? What new opportunities? What kairos time? Not looking back, but now looking ahead. What will happen in your life, in our church's life, times of opportunity? So it begins there. God determines the time of our salvation. Whatever last year had for you, maybe all the challenges of last year, tough year. Well, this new year, maybe some new things, new doors, new windows opening up. And secondly, we have this double sending, and it's a double sending because it's the very same word. God sent his son, and then God sent the spirit of his son. The sent, the Greek word there, is the very same in both cases. God sends his son to one, redeem, and two, to adopt. God sends his son to draw us to himself. Two metaphors used, to redeem was to, to pay some money. It was just coming out of the market, that's all. The, every Greek city had, a, had an agora, had a marketplace. And in the marketplace, you went down there and you exchanged coins and you bought your stuff, just like we do today. And you can go to all the old Greek cities, and every one of them, there is still some section which is their agora. There's been some archaeological work to reveal that agora. Almost all of them. Some places it's massive, some places it's just a, you know, a few hundred yards. A little bit of space. So God sends his son to redeem us. He uses that economic metaphor. To pay for you, for me. Just that's all it is. Go to the agora, pay a few cents and you buy your apple. Right? There's an exchange. God does that for you and for me and secondly, Paul uses a Roman metaphor, which is adoption. The Jews didn't have this. But the Greeks had it, where you could adopt someone into your family completely. And that person would be equal with all your other children. That was the adoption. So Paul uses a contemporary metaphor to bring it in to also speak to this issue that God draws us. He draws us, he redeems us. God also draws us to adopt us, to adopt us as his children. It's an amazing, amazing metaphor that God would do that for you and for me. He would adopt us into his family. To adopt someone into your family is a big deal, right? A lot goes into adopting someone. A lot of stuff happens. God adopts us into his 
family. We'll say more. So God sent his son to draw us, and then God sent the spirit of his son. The spirit of his son. The pneuma of his son. God sends. And, and the, that idea is, is the energy that God puts out. The Holy Spirit is the energy of God. So this story talks about the Father, and we're going to hear that shortly, that we might call out Abba Father. Father talks about Son, Ehos. Three, Spirit. Three persons of the Godhead. We've talked a bit about hermeneutics, right? Haven't we done that a little while? Create lots of energy. <laughs> Disruption a little bit. That's okay. It's good for us. It's interesting on that because the idea of the Trinity has come out of the theological statements in the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century, and it uses the, the Latin word persons, three persons, to come to terms with God. Who is God? Three persons, one nature. And the Latin word for person is persona. The challenge we have is in English, that sounds a whole lot like person. Persona, person. And so we come up with an image which is three persons, one nature, right? Three persons. And we can think of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as three persons kind of walking around in a family, as if they are totally different persons. But that is not what the Latin word persona means. Persona Latin means role. It's a role God plays. A role father, a role son, a role spirit. God working for you and for me. So when we kind of limit it to simply an English translation of person persona, we miss a lot of what's really going on there. So the point in our piece here is that the Spirit, the role of the Spirit, is God's energy of reaching out to you and me in real time. God's Spirit, energy, touching you, connecting with you. The Spirit is God reaching out in a very specific way to, to touch you and to fill you. The fullness of the Spirit, Paul talks about, doesn't he? To be open to, your, to God in a full way. Pentecostal tradition likes to talk about the fullness of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition. And what it means is, will you open your life fully to God in your, in your day to day? Fully know and be open to the work of the Spirit. Will you do that or not? And that goes way beyond any denomination. That, that's, that's irrelevant. To allow God to fill you. And not to put up a bunch of barriers that keep God out. God will not keep charging through if you keep putting up barriers. He'll say, okay. We're going to read that in the text that comes up. So we're talking about Advent here. We're talking about God coming through His Son. And we're talking about God coming through His Spirit to be near to you. 
So part of the answer for you and for me is how much do we want God? How much do you want the nearness of God? Maybe the nearness of God will be too upsetting for you. Maybe he'll ask you to go to places you don't really want to go. To invite the nearness of God into your life more and more and more might mean that you're no longer totally in control. Do you see what I mean? So Advent is, is about all that. The energy of Jesus touching us through his Son and through the Spirit of his Son. God involved in our journey. Paul says in Philippians, is that right, Philippians? I don't think that's what I want there. No, it's, it's still Galatians, all right? That's my mistake there, not anyone else's. Let me just read on in Galatians here. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not God's. Now, however, that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, here we go, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly elementary spirits? How can you turn back? The Galatians were tempted to go back, just as you and I are tempted to go back. Jesus sends his son, he sends the spirit of his son, we open our lives up to him, we start moving ahead, but then we are drawn back. We fall back to the old ways. Those are the old patterns. So you and I have to keep saying yes to God, to keep moving ahead, to know him, love him, walk with him. Does that make sense? You and I have to keep saying yes because we can fall back to the old patterns. And we've done that at times, right? So we have to say, hey, come on, talk to yourself. Keep moving ahead. Don't fall back into the old patterns, whatever they were. There's the text that we just read from Galatians. We push on, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. What's the second point? God is the prime mover, and he's the prime mover in the story of incarnation. One, he's born fully human. He's born of a woman, right? Paul writes that. Why is that important? Well, the Greek gods were not such. Greek gods were coming down, heavenly beings. God breaks into our world. I mean, the whole Greco-Roman panoply of gods was real in their, in their day. Cusser writes, Jesus, he was vulnerable to all the conditions of human life, which constantly threatened and unsettle fear, loneliness, suffering, temptation, doubt, and ultimately God-forsakenness. That's Jesus for you and for me. Jesus, born fully human, born of a woman, Mary. Knew all the experiences that we know. You can imagine what's going on in Gaza right now, right? They, 
pushing all the Palestinians into a smaller and smaller space. I read a piece on BBC yesterday that the space that they're all in right now is smaller than Heathrow Airport. One airport in London is the same size as where all of those Palestinians have to go, quote, to be safe, so they won't be bombed on. Over a million people, well over that, in this tiny little space. And it's right on the Mediterranean. And, and there's a story, you, you can read all these stories, but there's a story of a woman, she says, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm sleeping on the sand. I'm on, I'm on the slant. I'm checking the, the climate, the weather, and the weather goes down to the, to the low 50s in Fahrenheit. So what's that? 10 degrees. Pretty cold at night. Sleeping on the sand. Hardly anybody has any food. Water comes in just occasionally. These are, <coughs> are real people like you and me in that dynamic right now. Imagine that. <clears throat> Could be us. How vulnerable are those people right now? Woman, the one story that I was reading, the woman's freezing at night. It's super cold, dude. There are, it's damp. You're right on the ocean. It's, it's, it's cold. The sand is cold. But Jesus breaks into our world, and he knows... He knows all of that. I mean, to the point where he ends up on a Roman cross, right? With, with nails driven through his hands and his feet. Totally vulnerable, totally stripped, naked to the world. Jesus knows all about it. So that's the point here, born of a woman. It's to strike home the point that Jesus knows us in our vulnerability. And, and way more than most of us hopefully will ever have to experience. Born fully human. And secondly, born under the law. The law for the Jews, it was the Torah. But you know, we're all born under the law in some way. We're all, we all have our own law. earn your way, competition, compete with everybody left and right. All of us struggling under our own law. So we can relate to Jesus on this. The need for merit, earning our way, competition, Jesus' journey is the same as our journey. Jesus for you, Jesus for me. He draws near to us. So that's what Paul is saying, right? He's building his case. Jesus is near for you, for me, that we might experience him in this Advent. So going forward, what, what do we say? Well, I mean, one, Christmas is not a Hallmark movie, right? It's not like going on some channel where they're showing all the old movies and, you know, it's kind of a love romantic uh, movie and somebody meets somebody and the snow comes down at the right time and you just have a great old time. You know what I mean? Singing songs, right? It's fun to watch. It's good to watch. We have memories like that. Wasn't it early this week? We had our first snowfall. We'll wake up, and it's white. It's just beautiful white snow there. Hasn't been messed up yet. It's beautiful. It's great. But our, our lives are not some Hallmark movie. 
we might wish it was. We might wish that there was some beautiful happy ending for us all in some way in our here and now, which we often don't get, right? So Advent is about your reality, my reality, the human condition, Jesus in our condition. Secondly, Advent means access to God, because it means going to God, crying out, Abba. It means breaking through, as we said last week, so that we might know. Prayer is ultimately relationship. Prayer is about you relating to God, waking up to God, walking with God, praying, conversing with God. That's what it's about. So will we go through that open door of Advent? So no one makes you go through, no one makes me go through. We have to go through. We have to do that in lots of ways in life, right? See a guitar? You want to play the guitar, what do you have to do? You got to take it up, you got to practice it. You want to play the piano like Beth? You got to spend a lot of hours. Play the organ like Beth? A lot of hours. How many years have you said you've been doing this? Do you want me to say that or not? <laughs> 70. 70 years of playing piano and guitar. Or piano. Beth also plays accordion. She played trumpet. She played all kinds of things. I tell her, accordion is cool. Everybody thinks accordion is cool. We have one at home. You've got to get a play, man. You'll be, think, they'll think you're cool. Beth says, no, I don't want to play the accordion anymore. Because she has thoughts of, it's not cool. If you're going to say hi to God, you've got to spend time doing it, right? Access to God. Jesus was the one who said, Mark 14, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. That's where the term Abba Father comes from. Jesus used it. We're invited to use it. Notice Jesus says, remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, what you want. Jesus in his human condition. Jesus not wanting to go to the cross physically. He didn't want to do that. Who would want to do that? He says, if it's possible, remove it. But not my will, your will. The human condition for Jesus, the human condition for me. Thirdly, it's the Holy Spirit, and this is the point we made. The Spirit is the energizer. The Spirit is the one who will quicken us and wake, up, wake us up. God in these roles, Father, Son, Spirit. To be open to God in all three dimensions, as our Abba, as Jesus, our friend, Savior. And Jesus as the Spirit of Jesus coming and walking with us and filling us. And then we end with this statement, which is a lovely statement. You are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Final point, fourth point. What's interesting here is the word you, so you, are, is the verb, right? To be. You are here is singular. It's been plural up to this point. And now Paul switches it, and he says, so you are. Every one of you here, every one of you Galatians that I'm writing to, brings it down to the person, you. 
You are no longer a slave. You are a child, and if a child, an heir. You. So it's God's personal connection with you. With you. Your name, your identity. God knows you. Understood you. Your name is written in the palm of his hand. His love for you. In Advent. And how does it end? How does it happen? Through God. Through God. And I've says God made you an heir. KGV checks it, changes it to Jesus, through Jesus. Stronger translation is through God. But of course, it's also through Jesus. But the focus is here on God, you see. God is our prime figure. God is our prime mover. God for you. So it makes sense at the very end that it's through God. You. You are no longer a slave. You are a friend. You are an heir. You, 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 me. Through God. The universe maker. For you and for me. So the invitation is, will we wake up to this God who draws near to us? Will we overcome all our distraction? All our worries? All our anxieties? All our what-ifs, all that stuff, to lean on him who is for you, you and me. So may we hear, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen.